Earlier in the week last week, I, I find myself, and I don't know if you've had these evenings, right? I find myself wide awake in the middle of the night. You know, those, those nights. And this time I was wide awake in the middle of the night, um, feeling really the weight of the world. Felt like that. It felt like that was what was coursing through my heart and my mind was the, the weight of this world that we're on. And it was, a, it was a whole stream of things from climate change, the climate catastrophe that's happening to all the conflicts that are going on in this world, the, the deception, the lies, these systems of oppression that are happening. And specific scenarios were, were coming through and specific stories of, of this suffering in this world, the weight of the world. And it felt like it was crowding my heart and mind. And I do want to say that uh, feeling the weight of the world is an element of this path. Being moved and touched, you know, by my own challenges and the challenges and suffering of, of this world and others. And at the same time, I want to be clear, like I want to point out that merely feeling the weight of the world is not necessarily always so skillful. Like when I woke up in the middle of the night, feeling overwhelmed with my heart crowded with all the suffering, that wasn't onward leading on this path. And I want to share with you uh, some reflections on, uh, on this because I think clarifying the difference of merely feeling the weight of the world and feeling the weight of the world skillfully is, is such an important aspect of this path and getting a feeling sense of how they're different. And, and maybe you've had late nights like this, like I have, whether it's the worry about the family member or the conflicts in the world or a health issue that you're going through or some stress at work and there it is and maybe you've experienced that too i mean here i was i was deeply empathizing with a lot of these scenarios i was feeling them and i was overwhelmed it wasn't helpful as i said it, it wasn't onward leading for myself or others at that point and, you know, researchers, you've probably heard some of these words, have a term for this. It's, it's this uh, experience of empathic distress, which is seen as often when, when they've at least studied it, is, is, is that it's really a barrier to action. We're going to see it can also lead to unskillful action. I'm going to get to that a little bit later. Right? It can lead to apathy or withdrawal or feeling helpless. And boy, do I know that when I, I feel overwhelmed and can be bad for your health. Another term around this is empathy fatigue, where it's just too much. Yeah, you're feeling it, and it's just overwhelming the system. And again, empathic, empathy fatigue and empathic distress is not, not what we're trying to cultivate on this path, and yet it can get confused with genuine compassion. And what I, when I reflect back on my path and my practice, 
a lot of my exploration of compassion is just clarifying this again and again for my heart and my mind to get really clear oh this this is feeling more like like wise compassion oh here's the overwhelm here's the disconnection and compassion I would say has some of these elements. And of course, these words, empathy and compassion are used differently by, by different people. So I want to acknowledge that. The, the way I see it is that compassion has this uh, core element also of caring. I care. It does have, for me also, that, that my heart is being moved. It's being moved by my own pain or the pain of others or for a situation. So there's a being in contact with, with the suffering and the element that's coming with it is this quality of caring. So it's not being overwhelmed. It's not being disconnected. It's not being blinded by the suffering, but rather having the capacity to care. To care. So hopefully you're hearing when I describe compassion in this way, do you hear some of the elements that are infused in compassion? There's the wisdom the equanimity so there can be a stability in the face of this for it to be true compassion and and when it's true compassion i think then as as uh, alan ginsburg says in one of one of his poems it's when there's this shift this transformation that the weight of the world is love and that's different than what i was experiencing when i first woke up in the middle of the night. The weight of the world was stifling. It was overwhelming me. And yet it, it becomes, the weight of the world becomes love when there is the caring love of compassion. Luckily, my story of that night does get a little better. <laughs> Then what happened? You know, it's it's weird how practice kind of shows up like this. I don't know if you've had this. There was this switch. It was like, okay, I'm going to practice with this. I want to tie this into my Dharma practice. And I uh, switched to the compassion practice of Tonglen. And Tonglen comes from the Tibetan tradition. I'll get into that a little bit. And it weaves really well, I think, with uh, this earlier uh, Dharma path of Theravada, or sometimes called early Buddhism. And maybe some of you have experienced or practiced Tonglen, but it, this is the way I describe it. This is the way it feels for me. It feels like I get to be this really cool air purifier. And it's, it's so cool because as the air purifier, it's like I'm breathing in the suffering of the world, or I'm breathing in the suffering of a particular group or a particular being or my own suffering. It's like I'm bringing it on, like, bring it on. And then it's like there's a transformation of that that happens within my heart and my body. And then I breathe out a sense of well-being, of kindness and protection for the world. And Tong Len, this is literally what it means. Tong is uh, giving, it's offering, it's that giving the, a sense of well-being, of kindness. And Len, uh, uh, the, the second part of that word is um, to receive or take uh, the pain and suffering. And many people attribute the practice of Tonglen arising from the Indian sage Atisha, and it's embedded in one of his, um, in his uh, Lojong teachings. 
And Lojong teachings, Lojong, um, th that Tibetan word could be translated as uh, uh, mind training or mind cultivation. And often consists of, of a series of slogans or, or, or phrases that one practices with. And it's uh, said that he brought these particular Lojong slogans or Lojong teachings from India to Tibet in the 11th century. And there's one particular slogan in there that refers to it, and it's uh, this training. It's very simple. He, he encourages the practitioner to train in the two, giving and taking alternately. Place the two astride your breath. So it's really what I just shared, which is it's the, the, the giving, right? Train in the two, the giving, the giving on the out-breath, the well-being, kindness, and protection. So it's placing it astride the breath. And then it's taking, it's taking in uh, the suffering of the world or of a particular situation. And what was so striking that night, and I think this is why I wanted to talk about it, and I want to be clear, it doesn't always happen this way. It got to happen this way this night because it really framed things easily. Practice is often messier than this. Is um, It actually felt completely different in just a few minutes. It felt radically different than being overwhelmed the way that I was waking up. My, my heart was actually feeling full in an, uh, in an onward way. I was engaged with that distress that was in my heart rather than being lost or overwhelmed by it. And quite honestly, if I were to be honest with you, it felt really good to be that air purifier. It's like I got to engage, it felt like, with the suffering of the world. There I was, lying in bed. It made a huge difference. And this, I think, is so important around compassion is to, is to really feel how wonderful it feels to care. And this is the big switch that we're wanting our hearts and minds to begin to feel. It's like, oh, this is a different relationship to suffering. It feels different. And there is deeper elements to it, you know, what started to arise with this practice is kind of right a fading away of me at the center of it all even me engaging and being compassionate and, and this is what i love about the, the air purifier thing is it just felt like the activity of compassion was moving through this vessel really so wonderful to breathe in suffering to take it on and to offer something different out So I want to point out the process of this practice and how it's it's actually really intertwined with the 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 deepest aspects of this path in this practice. Much of this path and practice is transforming how our hearts and minds relate to experience. And this is around relating to suffering. This is what we're doing. Like there's the what's called in Theravada Buddhism or in the suttas, the gradual path or the gradual training, which is a it's a path of letting go of unskillful, habitual ways of relating to experience. And it's the same with Lojung that we, you find in Tibetan Buddhism. It's a, it's a mind training. It's a mind cultivation or heart cultivation. So how does this um, happen? I just lost my place. How does this happen with this practice of Tonglen? 
really what's going on. And I, I think a little snippet of this is what happened that night is it really allows my heart to let go of unskillful, unskillful habits around the experience of suffering. Right? I'm stepping out of being disconnected or overwhelmed. And rather, the heart and mind is beginning to learn how to relate to suffering, um, the experiences of suffering, in a way that fills the heart with caring. And what I notice, it can be habitual for my mind to either disconnect when it touches suffering or to be overwhelmed. This, this is training. It's, it's allowing the mind to have a different relationship to suffering, of caring. And it's actually quite wonderful and beautiful to feel the weight of the world and to love with a sense of caring. And with repetition, you know, the, the ideal of this is, is to go deeper than just a technique. The, the, the path is about transforming, completely transforming the heart and mind and how it functions. You know, there's a, another slogan in Atisha's, Atisha's uh, slogan, uh, um, Lojong teachings, which I think uh, points to this, and I think we could tie it to this. It might be tied to broader practices as well, but one of the slogans is, if this can be done even when you are distracted, then you are trained. And to hear in that simple sentence what he's pointing to, like getting this so deep, this sense of caring when the heart touches suffering, that it, it, it just naturally arises. Like you can be distracted, it's just what the heart does. So instead of the heart just disconnecting or being overwhelmed or getting lost in reactivity, it's like, oh, it, it just cares. It's natural. In other words, we could say through repetition of a practice, this becomes the, the default of the heart and mind. And, and I really do feel like it's, it's the repetition that's needed. I mean, I wish I could tell you that on that auspicious night, done is what needed to be done, that classic phrase that we find in the discourses to describe full awakening. But I'm sorry, that wasn't the case. <laughs> I'm still working on it. It's a path, it's a practice. And, and I say this too, because sometimes, you know, teachers like me, we like to tell stories of that one event in someone's life where everything changes. And yet, that can happen. I don't want to deny that. And, and the Buddha really confirms that. But, but the Buddha also, what I'm so struck by is he sees that repetition is what shapes the heart and mind. It does. It shapes it in a different direction. And in light of that, it, then it reminds me this is a process. And for me, um, around suffering in terms of how my heart relates to it, I've, I've needed to learn also how to be with challenging emotions, the grief, the distress, the fear, the anger. And the, the way I imagine it poetically is it's, it's like they, uh, with time, they, they get to ripen those unskillful or those challenging emotions. 
you get to ripen into a skillful compassion that can lead and does lead to skillful action. And, and in some ways, I, I, for myself, I find that it's been important for my compassion to be informed by those emotions. It's like they shape compassion in, in a certain way. Right? Like the, the distress and grief around the climate catastrophe. There's something about that just to begin to contact that. Sometimes that's the first step because sometimes the disconnection can be so deep, the despair and grief. And it has a particular flavor of grief sometimes for us, which is, it's a, you could say a kind of homesickness, but not the homesickness of leaving home, but the, the, the sickness of, of one's home or place being destroyed or altered so um, violently. And to feel that and to allow it to ripen into something deeper, like skillful compassion. And again, I want to be clear, this is different than merely feeling the weight of the world or feeling the pain of certain living beings. For me, that's the way I began, is I thought that's what compassion was. Something different. Yeah, to feel into is important, but it's different. And, and to merely feel the weight of the world, to empathize in that way, often can often be infused with really harmful reactivity of the mind. You know, they did multiple, uh, a whole bunch of studies on these uh, two groups of peoples that have been in violent conflict now for decades upon decades, and probably you could find the roots going over centuries. And it was so interesting what they found in these repeated studies, which is that uh, these two groups, it wasn't like they'd lacked empathy. Each of them, especially the, the individuals that were engaging in um, uh, extreme violence, had deep empathy for the group that they were in. They felt, they felt the weight of their people and what their people were going through. And then that was also combined with a low empathy for the other group. But there was empathy intertwined there. It was just, it, it was going in a very unskillful direction. It wasn't informed, you could say, by wisdom or by equanimity. It was narrow. So sometimes when, when empathy doesn't have that wisdom or have that caring, it can really go in, in unskillful directions. Or just right now, when you reflect on politics, either side of the spectrum, have you noticed this is sometimes what's wielded on the political landscape? Can, can people be stirred in a way? Can, can, can voters be stirred in a way where there's empathy, but a kind of empathy that can be out of balance, that then sometimes leads to violence? So it's more than just merely feeling the weight of the world. And this path and practice is about like, can I start to become aware in me, these habitual kind of ways of reactivity that might be clouding my heart, that remains 
uh, allows my heart just to remain and merely feeling the weight of the world rather than caring. And and again, in 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 uh, Theravada Buddhism, but also in later Buddhism, there's a curiosity around this uh, uh, subtle forms of this reactivity, especially around, and I, I mentioned this, around um, a fixed sense of self, and how there's a particular fixed sense of self that can uh, complicate things, because then I'm at the center in a way that can create this blind reactivity. Either it's around in-group, out-group, like I'm this person in this group, and therefore those people in that group are uh, uh, evil. But it can even be more subtle and even, quote unquote, look like compassion, like a, a subtle form. And this can also be um valenced in terms of one's conditioning societal conditioning around gender is uh putting the needs of others uh before one's own needs in a way that leads to harm to ourselves so such behavior i want to point out might look like compassion but it neglects the aspiration or the vision of this path and practice which is to to practice for the benefit of myself and others especially in these, this earliest uh, literature, the Buddha is really clear that it's not just about practicing for others. It's about practicing for oneself and others. I so appreciate this clarity that, that we can find in some of these, this earliest literature. And I, I wanna point out, you know, this, this evening I, I might take some time of introducing for you kind of a, a broadened version of Tonglen and at the same time, I want to say it, it can be really helpful to learn different ways of engaging in compassion practice, because what I find is that different ways of engaging in practice, practice uh, uh, of compassion practice, it's like my heart needs specific techniques or ways for the specific situations or the even the time of day. And when I'm reflecting on that, what I'm looking for when I'm trying to land these practices is the feeling of caring in a way that feels so wonderful for my heart. This is really important because sometimes, again, we can be like, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling compassion, which is you might just be merely feeling the weight of the world and starting to realize, oh, it feels different when I care. There's something uplifting about that to really land that. So we're not just going down the same old road, but a different road true compassion. And, and I'll go over in this uh, guided meditation, just some things that you can play around with around this. And just as a side note, you know, I'm not proposing that compassion is the only way to respond to suffering. I, I, I'm always cautious about saying there's a one way, you know, there's, there's many teachings and techniques and approaches. This is a central way for sure. But sometimes some context needs something different. You know, it's interesting in the, uh, the suttas, these early discourses of, uh, of Buddhism, the, the Buddha describes a heart full of compassion as uh, the Pali phrase, Pali being the early scriptural language of Buddhism, chetto vimutti. 
and chitta vimbuti chitta uh, chitta is sometimes translated as heart or heart or mind like heart and vimuti is liberation so uh, a heart full of compassion means a, a liberation of the heart a liberation of of the mind and yes some many people feel like chitta vimuti in this context means this temporary experience of freedom and yet it's still a taste of the heart being free. And I want to point out something because it shows what direction this path and practice is going in, that the kind of freedom that the Buddha is interested in is not the freedom of doing whatever I want to do. That's not the freedom that this path is about or merely getting what I want. Do you hear how this is radically different? It's the freedom to be in contact with suffering and having the ability to care. That's freedom. Having that ability instead of being disconnected or overwhelmed. And again, especially in Tibetan Buddhism, this quality is really at the heart and at the, in the deepest layers of, of, of wisdom that you find there. And I would say it's the same in this earlier tradition of, of Theravada. And you do see this in Tibetan Buddhism, this phrase bodhicitta, or, you know, relative bodhicitta is in some ways what I'm talking about. But relative bodhicitta, this, this aspiration to practice for the benefit of all beings, to free all beings, is intertwined with absolute bodhicitta, which is the, the deepest aspects of wisdom. To find freedom in caring. I think there's something so powerful about this. And I just want to share with you a, a story that I feel exemplifies this. It's something that happened in, in 2017 in Portland the, on the, the light rail there. There was, um, it was in May in 2017. On the light rail there, there was a, uh, a white supremacist who had gotten onto the light rail and uh, began threatening these two teenage girls. Well, one of the girls was black and the other one was, was in hijab. And three other men actually stood out up to this white supremacist and, uh, and defended these girls and actually saved them from being harmed. And in the midst of this, uh, I think two of them uh, were killed by the white supremacists. One was a 23-year-old man, uh, 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 Taylorson Mirden Namkain Mechi. And what was so striking is, is after he, he had been, uh, I think, stabbed multiple times, he was, uh, he was bleeding and somebody else that was on the light rail service came, came to him to, to help him out. And as she was trying to help uh, stave off the bleeding, he, uh, he knew he was dying. So he, he said to her, Tell everyone on this train, I love them. And then shortly thereafter, he died. To me, there's something so powerful about that. This beautiful life, this 23-year-old man, that in his last moments, was clear what was important to him, to tell everyone on this train, I love them. 
after he had engaged in this compassionate action. That's a life committed to loving people, to caring for people. I think that's one of the visions of the kind of freedom that this path and practice is about. To be able to touch suffering and to care. To transform the weight of the world into love. So may all of us discover and embody this taste of freedom. And may we all discover that the weight of the world is love, the, the caring love of compassion. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. For this guided meditation, I wanna, I'll be sharing with you some elements that I find really helpful for the practice of compassion in general. And then to utilize that afterwards, uh, to, to utilize those as a, a, a staging ground for the practice of Tonglen. And then after that, um, maybe just a, a basic mindfulness practice. We'll see how it goes here. In light of all that, I invite you to allow your attention to come inward. And to begin by simply feeling the body in whatever posture it's in right now. And as you feel the body in whatever posture it's in, I invite you to allow for a quality of relaxation in the body. Maybe just certain parts of the body, allowing the jaw to loosen and the shoulders to drop. The hands to relax and the pelvic floor to open and settle downward. I now invite you to begin to sense into any feeling of steadiness or stability in your body. The felt sense of being grounded. For some people, getting the bodily experience of steadiness, stability, groundedness can help evoke this necessary quality and compassion, and that's of 
equanimity or equipoise, sense of okayness, a steadiness in the midst of the ups and downs of life. So feeling that in the body, like the body's like a mountain right now, steady and strong. Continuing to feel the body like a mountain, steady and strong. This is one condition that can help land true compassion, that can help the heart to learn the feeling of true compassion. So feeling that, savoring that in whatever way you can right now. I now invite you to begin to imagine, to bring into your imagination those beings who you feel embody compassion and kindness in some way. So it might be one of these iconic figures of compassion, whether that be Kuan Yin or the Buddha or Mother Teresa or the Dalai Lama or Jane Goodall or Ella Baker, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King. Or people you personally know you have a sense of who have shown you compassion or kindness that when you bring them into your heart, it's like, ah, I can feel their love in this way. So see who comes to mind for you. When you get a sense of a few of these beings or maybe a whole bunch of these beings to imagine they're either behind you or around you and to feel them radiating their kindness and compassion to you. 
and how good that feels, even if it's really, really subtle. Can you feel how good it feels to be cared for? Maybe you can imagine them smiling, maybe radiating these vibrations of compassion and kindness towards you and allowing it to fill your body. So that we're beginning with allowing our bodies to feel the wonderful taste of caring, even if it's really subtle right now. It's like you get to breathe it in right now, to savor it. It's lingering with that now. Continuing to feel their love and savoring it. Even if it's just a molecule of it, just about opening, receiving. This is a second condition that can be helpful for cultivating compassion, namely feeling the love of others, their kindness and compassion, feeling how caring feels good and fills, fills the heart, especially when we're receiving it. This is the second condition, feeling the love of others in this imaginative way.
And as you kind of allow your heart to remember how good it can feel to care, we'll move into this practice of Tonglen, giving and receiving. And in light of this, I invite you to notice what comes into your heart or mind in terms of difficulty or challenge or suffering. And it could be a global situation, a situation happening in a particular part of the earth. It could be a challenge that you know that's going on in your family or community. It could also be your own challenge, your own stress and suffering that you're experiencing. Noticing what comes. And then when something begins to come or begins to resonate for something to practice with this evening, I invite you to begin to get a sense of breathing in. It doesn't have to be a big in-breath, just a very soft, gentle in-breath, subtle. Breathing in that suffering, however you want to imagine that suffering. Breathing in that suffering and being that air purifier. You get to be this wonderful air purifier and then breathing out kindness and protection and goodwill towards that situation or those beings, or even yourself. Breathing in softly the suffering, the challenge. Breathing out the caring, the kindness, the protection. Now combining this with the breath, the receiving, and the giving, especially the bodily feeling, imagining that, being the air purifier.
allowing the breath to be soft and smooth as you breathe in the suffering. Breathe out the care, the compassion, the kindness. For some practitioners, it can be helpful to feel the steadiness, stability of the body, the body like a mountain, to taste this sense of true compassion. Maybe incorporating that and seeing if that's helpful as you continue to be this air purifier in this way. And if at any point this begins to feel challenging for you or difficult, or you feel inadequate at it, or you're doing something wrong, the suffering that we can heap on ourselves, you could call it, you can make that into a practice. Can you breathe in the challenge itself and to breathe out a sense of compassion for yourself, kindness and care, a softening around it? just to simply care, to open the heart in this way.
And if there is something that you're individually having a challenge with, it can be interesting to expand that, to take in the suffering of other beings that might be suffering just like you, or taking in the suffering of other situations that might be similar to the one that you just began with. Breathing in the suffering, breathing out the kindness, the compassion, feeling the, the wonderful quality of care, how good it feels to be the air purifier. And if your mind gets lost in thought, just begin again. As you continue to explore this experience of being the air purifier and even really allowing it to be super subtle too, if that works for you, you might be able to get a sense of surrendering to this, to opening it to it where the sense of you doing it begins to fade away. Maybe imagining, getting a feeling sense that you're just the vessel That, the, that compassion flows through. Just that love that flows through, that purifies in this way. At this point, feel free to continue with this practice of Tonglen or allow it to gently move into a standard mindfulness practice as we continue to practice probably for the next five or 10 minutes in silence together.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.